PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. Welcome to this PTJ podcast. This month we bring you a new feature, author interviews. Gain insight behind the scenes and beyond the published manuscripts. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Rebecca Craik speaks with Catherine Sullivan, lead author of an article from the December 2007 issue of PTJ. It is my pleasure to introduce a new session. We're going to interview Catherine Sullivan about a paper that was recently published in the December issue of Physical Therapy. The title is Effects of Task-Specific Locomotor and Strength Training in Adults Who Are Ambulatory After Stroke, Results of a STEPS Randomized Control Trial. The purpose of today is to give you an opportunity to get to know Kathy as a person and also to gain insight into how this article fits into her own research agenda and into the larger picture of physical therapist research in general. Dr. Sullivan, who is a faculty member at University of Southern California, is the president of the neurology section of the American Physical Therapy Association. She's actively engaged in teaching in the entry-level curriculum, in the post-professional curriculum. She's also lead investigator in a trial that we'll have her talk about in conjunction with Dr. Pam Duncan. Kathy has two PT degrees, one from Marquette University, the other from Northwestern. She has her Ph.D. in biokinesiology from the University of Southern California, and she did a postdoctoral study with psychology as the primary focus at the University of California, Los Angeles. She has a really rich, in-depth clinical experience upon which she built a didactic Ph.D. and postdoctoral experience. So Kathy brings so much wisdom to the papers. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Becky. That was a very nice introduction. I need you, for people who haven't read the paper, that we would like to go and read the paper that was in the December issue, to summarize what you consider the major findings. Yeah, I'd be very happy to do that. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to comment on sometimes what are surprising findings even to investigators. I mean, we, we had a hypothesis going into the paper related to the effects of a task-specific walking program, which was treadmill training with body weight support in combination with two different strengthening programs that physical therapists may use in the clinic. So one involved cycling on a bike that actually encouraged extensor torque as one was doing a repetitive cycling movement so that the idea was it was locomotor-like in some of its training aspects. And then the other program was a muscle-specific lower extremity progressive resistive exercise program. And this we designed with a lot of thought to really think about, well, how should you best exercise someone with stroke who might have synergistic movement? And how would you use principles of progressive resistive exercise to load those muscles And how do physical therapists tend to do that in the clinic with the resources they have? So we came up with a PRE program for six muscles of the lower extremity, the hip flexors, extensors, knee flexors, extensors, dorsiflexors, and plantar flexors. And we designed this PRE program so that it would be progressed as you normally would. Now, those were our two exercise programs. And then we had what we called a sham condition that was a program where someone would exercise using the upper extremities only on an upper extremity ergometer. What was interesting is then what would happen in walking outcome if you compared the treadmill training group that was combined with the upper extremity group, which was our sham condition, to the resisted cycling group 
who was also combined with the sham condition, so that we could answer the question, what was more effective at improving walking outcomes in someone with stroke? To do a task-specific intervention like walking on the treadmill or to do a locomotor-like resisted cycling program? That was one question. The second question was, could you enhance the effectiveness of a task-specific training like walking on the treadmill by adding a strengthening program with it? And so there's four groups in total, and now the two other groups were treadmill training combined with the cycling, and then treadmill training combined with the PRE program, so that we had a comparison of the three bodyweight treadmill training groups. And now you could answer the question, what's more effective, treadmill training alone compared to treadmill training combined with a lower extremity exercise program, either cycling or the PRE? So our hypotheses were related to thinking that the combined program would be more effective than the task training alone. And that locomotor training, like walking on the treadmill, would be more effective in increasing walking speed compared to the cycling, but that the cycling might be as effective in some aspects of walking recoveries. Now, here are our findings. And this is the part that is always interesting me. As a, as a clinical researcher, I tell this to my students, most of my hypotheses, about 50% of them are wrong. <laughs> but at least I had a hypothesis. So in terms of comparing the treadmill training to the cycling, we did find strong evidence that walking on a treadmill with bodyweight support was more effective in improving walking outcomes than the cycling. That in fact, the cycle group and the treadmill training group both made improvements in walking endurance, but the treadmill training group actually made significant improvements in walking speed and endurance. So you got two benefits to the patient, if you will, for one intervention. Not only did the people in that treadmill training group make this improvement in walking speed, but they continued to show improvements in walking speed that was significant at a six-month follow-up. The importance of the STEPS trial really is that the prior state of evidence from the Cochrane Review and also from the Canadian Stroke Network, and both of these are large reviews of the literature that are very recent, both said there was conflicting evidence that treadmill training with body weight support was effective at improving walking and stroke patients. What we proved that there's no question that if you use the appropriate dose, which is such a key thing, because when you look at the Cochrane study, the studies in bodyweight tremor training had different intensities, different frequencies, different durations. You really couldn't compare across the, I think there were 13 trials. They were all totally different. But in our study, we established a dose in a previous paper that I had done when I was at UCLA, and that was published in 2002, that if you walked on the treadmill at higher intensities, higher speeds, like two miles per hour, that the outcomes were better than if you walked on the treadmill at slow speeds. So we used that dose information to design this protocol. And sure enough, we've had strong evidence that in this phase two trial, where you compare one intervention to another, treadmill training with body weight support has efficacy. The second major finding, this was surprising to me, all three treadmill train groups realized similar gains in walking speed and walking endurance, whether strengthening was added or not. And the part that really, really surprised us was the torque data, and we did extensive baseline and post-treatment measurements of force production in the leg. We actually found that the group that had the body weight supported treadmill training and sham condition had higher changes in force production than the combined groups. And I have to tell you, when I saw that, (laughs) all the other investigators and I, we thought we had made a terrible mistake in coding our data. (laughs) And we looked at it and looked at it, went back Mm -hmm. to it. And I remembered Tara Claussen, our research coordinator, 
she and I presented a paper at a California physical therapy meeting, and we were just talking about the methods for this program. And someone in the audience raised their hand and said, have you read the literature on overtraining? And are you concerned that if you alternate walking on a treadmill with a lower extremity strengthening program that you might induce an overtraining effect? And I said, no, I hadn't read that literature. I sort of forgot that comment until we started looking at our data. And then we began to revisit that comment. And this is why it's so important to present your paper in public forum because people provide insights that you might not have. And I went back and talked to the faculty that are exercise science and said, can you look at this data? What do you think? Could I possibly interpret this as an overtraining effect? They said, yeah, it looks like it could be. What we actually think is the treadmill training upper extremity sham actually provided a day of rest that the muscles of the lower extremity needed to realize the best force production gain. So, Kathy, are you suggesting that that is another hypothesis that needs to be tested? So one way to interpret your data is the overtraining. Um, yeah. So that's one, but there could be other explanations, right? I think there's a strong message here, but it has to be further <laughs> tested. So I'm not saying nobody should take away the message that strength training is not effective in patients with stroke. Yes, we're finally exploring this issue that is remarkably important based on these results where it could be overtraining, but this was an isotonic, a strengthening program. There are other kinds. So thank you. I think you did a spectacular job opening the door for more research on this. Oh, we definitely say that further work needs to be done. For physical therapy in terms of exercise, there's two issues. One is the dosing issue appropriate frequency, intensity, and duration. And then the second is the scheduling of the training programs. What I find interesting about the outcome of this study at this point is the principles of exercise training and exercise physiology that we all are well aware of in healthy populations probably has the same effect in neurologically impaired populations. And that's going to be a wonderful question to find the answer to. I really appreciate yeah. you asking that one. So I'm going to switch a little bit because you took this new intervention, which is locomotor training using a treadmill. And what's interesting to all of us, I think, is that it's not unusual for physical therapist clinicians to take a new intervention into clinical practice because a vendor suggests it or because they've gone to a continuing education course. Well, in the academic programs, we say you have to do evidence-based practice. Reality is you can't wait for all the evidence to come out. So it's really difficult for the clinician to decide among all these kinds of interventions. And so what led you to select this particular treadmill training over all the other widely used interventions available? For me, I mean, one, I don't want to go down in history as the person who does research <laughs> in bodyweight treadmill training, okay? So what I prefer to be remembered as is the person who's trying to figure out what is the most effective therapeutic interventions to make clinically meaningful, important differences for our patients. That's really what I'm interested in. And, and so the reason that this modality was of interest to me is it was a modality that was specifically targeting improving walking ability in patients with stroke. Walking is an important and meaningful goal to patients with stroke, to a lot of our patients. But sticking with this population in particular, the treadmill training environment provided a clinical modality that had a lot of resonance between what my goals were as a therapist and what the patient's individual goals were. And the patient's 
love this intervention. And, and I'm not kidding. They never miss an appointment. They're disappointed when the studies end. And when I look at that, I think, whoa, we're doing something that they find meaningful. And I think they find it meaningful because they really feel like, one, they're working very hard in therapy and they value that. They're allowed to work on the skill of walking without being afraid to fall. I think for the therapist, the therapist actually gets to focus on helping the patient learn to walk better and more effectively. And you know, when you think about gait training and a therapist walks someone you know, across the gym with a gait belt on, my job actually is to make sure they don't fall. Right. I can't get down there and help them learn how to control their knee or control their ankle. And so I, I just find that the modality is a good match between what the therapist is trying to achieve and what the patient wants to achieve. Right there, that interested me. The second was that walking outcome and quality of life is related to walking speed too. So, you know, you actually could have an outcome that really should be meaningful in one's life. So why do I think it's taking off? I, I think it's the resonance between the therapist and the patients. I really do believe that, especially our new career therapists, they are reading the evidence. And there is building yes. evidence that this is an effective modality. This is actually one of the modalities that has fairly good evidence that it could be efficacious. And I think the STEP study will definitely help demonstrate that it is efficacious. Okay, so where are you going next? I was very, very fortunate. Actually, I'll make a plug for the Foundation for Physical Therapy. We were part of the Physical Therapy Clinical Research Network funded by the foundation. This study allowed us to use the results as preliminary data for an R01 grant proposal submission to the National Institutes of Neurologic Diseases and Stroke. With my colleague, Dr. Pam Duncan, who's at Duke University, she's our principal investigator, Dr. Andrea Behrman at the University of Florida, and I, the co-PIs on this grant, we submitted an R01, and in 2005, we received a $13.5 million grant to conduct a phase three trial in walking recovery after stroke. I just feel so fortunate because this study was one part of a lot of work from a lot of people that allowed us to get this funding. And so we've taken a phase two study like STEPS and we've moved it into a phase three study. And this one's called LEAPS. It's locomotor experience applied post-stroke. This is going to allow us to look at a locomotor training program that includes body weight support treadmill training compared to a home exercise program. The patients are all enrolled within the first five to 30 days post-stroke, and they get randomized either into a two-month training program where they get locomotor training with bodyweight support and overground walking or a home exercise program, or they're randomized into a six-month group of locomotor training, and then we evaluate everyone at one year on their walking outcomes. This study allows us to look at duration because we're going to be looking at 12, 24, and 36 trials of training. The timing of training, should it be early after one stroke or later at six months? And severity, because we've balanced the groups for severity. It might be that patients with a very severe stroke would benefit from a later intervention. And intensity too, And intensity. So it really allows you to address the issues that you raised in the paper in the December issue more systematically in this larger trial. Yeah, and it's so needed. It's so exciting. It's the kind of research that we really need answers to. Thank you, Kathy Sullivan. Thank you, TPJ. We invite you to provide feedback on this podcast. Who would you like to hear from next? What papers from PTJ intrigue you most? Let us know via email, ptj at scienceaudio.net, or voicemail at 626 
593-7825. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net.